Have you ever gotten a ride, whether it be a cab, an Uber, a Lyft, and felt uncomfortable with the driver? Maybe they drove too fast, swerving in and out of lanes, or perhaps they made comments that made you feel uncomfortable or unsafe. When you get into someone else's car, your life is in the driver's hands, and most times it goes perfectly fine, but sometimes it doesn't. This is exactly what a woman by the name of Donna Winger experienced. In 1995, she took a shuttle ride home from the airport. The driver was supposed to transport her safely back to her home in Springfield, Illinois. But during the shuttle ride, Donna was terrified. She said the shuttle driver made explicit and violent comments during the trip. He said he heard voices telling him to kill people. To make matters worse, Donna had her infant daughter in the van with her. She feared for their lives. After making it home, Donna and her husband, Mark, submitted a complaint to the shuttle company. And a few days later, Donna's husband dialed 911 and frantically screamed that both Donna and the driver were both dead. How? What happened? This case is one that proves that reality is stranger than fiction and things aren't always as they seem. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. As always, I'm your host, Avery Ross. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. This is one of the most twisted murder mysteries I have ever heard of. It's one that has stuck with me over the years, and I want to share it with you. Before we open the case files, I want to say I appreciate all of you who follow along with this podcast, and if you enjoy the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading your reviews, and each one helps so much in growing the show, so I can keep making more and more for you. Now, let's get into today's case. In 1995, Donna and Mark Winger lived in Springfield, Illinois. The couple had gotten married in 1989 and had just adopted a baby daughter on June 1st. Mark had a great job as a nuclear engineer, the couple had lots of friends, and were enjoying their first few months as new parents. In August of that same year, then 32-year-old Donna Winger and her infant daughter Bailey had just spent the week in Florida visiting Donna's parents. A nice vacation for the two, they had a really nice time. The two flew into the St. Louis airport. To get back to Springfield, Illinois, Donna and her daughter hopped into an airport shuttle van. Traveling with a baby can be a lot, so Donna was really looking to have an easy ride back home. But the shuttle trip was anything but. The driver of the van, a man by the name of Roger Harrington, drove erratically. He was speeding, switching quickly in and out of lanes, during the fearful ride, Donna said Roger told her that he heard voices that told him to kill people. He made a number of inappropriate comments and talked about using substances. Donna was very uncomfortable and counted down the minutes until she and her baby were back home safe. And the two did make it back. The entire event was really scary for Donna and when she got home, she immediately told her husband Mark Winger about what happened. She also documented her experience in a handwritten note. Donna wrote, quote, I felt as if my life and the life of my daughter were in the hands of a nut, end quote. Donna was really shaken up and didn't want this to happen to anyone else. And her husband, Mark, seemed to be really upset about this as well. So the two made the decision to report the incident to the shuttle van company. And in turn, Roger Harrington was suspended from his job. After that, Donna believed that was that. She thought it was over, but it wasn't. Six days later, Mark Winger made a frantic and desperate call to 911. Let's take a listen to that call. 
This is Springfield Police. What is your emergency? Emergency. Emergency. I just shot this man in my house. He's inside your house. He killed his... He beat my wife. Where's the man at? He's laying on the floor. Is he dead? I don't know. He's making weird sounds. Is the man still in your house? Yes, he's laying there on the floor with a bullet in his head. Did you shoot him? Yes, I shot him. He was killing my wife. As you heard, Mark says his baby is crying and he needs to get off the phone. When police arrive at the scene, they found Donna Winger face down on the dining room floor. Roger Harrington was laying just a few feet away on his back. Both were immediately rushed to the hospital, but both Donna and Roger were pronounced dead on arrival. Investigators talked to Mark trying to figure out what happened. He says he was in the basement of their home when he suddenly heard a commotion upstairs. He said he grabbed his pistol and ran into the hallway where he saw Roger Harrington beating his wife Donna with a hammer and shot him twice in the head. Investigators see Roger's cars parked in front of the winger's house and police ask Mark why Roger Harrington was at their house to begin with. How did he get in? Mark says he has no idea. He told investigators, this is the man that's been stalking my wife, the man that's been harassing my family. The hammer that Roger used to attack Donna belonged to the wingers. It had been lying on the dining room table. The couple were planning to hang up a picture frame and Mark said Donna had laid the frame and the hammer there to remind Mark to hang the photo. Also found on the table was a coffee mug and cigarettes that Roger Harrington had brought along with him. Mark tells police all about that shuttle ride, how Roger said he was hearing voices about killing people, how scared his wife Donna was. He tells them that they filed the complaint with the shuttle company and in turn, Roger Harrington had been suspended from work. Police then begin to theorize that this was an act of retaliation, that Roger Harrington had broken into the winger's house to attack and kill Donna because she had gotten him in trouble with work. This was revenge. Police see that Donna's handwritten note detailing her experience with Roger during that shuttle ride was hanging on the refrigerator. And this evidence was straight from Donna, which supported Mark's account of what had happened. And police dug deeper, finding out that Roger Harrington had a history with mental illness, having been hospitalized twice for psychiatric treatment. With all of this, police believed it was plausible that Roger, given his history with mental illness, had murdered Donna Winger and police felt that the case was closed. Seemed pretty open and shut. Everyone believed Mark's account, except one officer, Lieutenant Doug Williamson. He wasn't so convinced. Lieutenant Williamson felt there was something off about the scene, like there was something more to the story, but at the time, his superiors disagreed with him. For Donna and Mark's families, this was a major tragedy and Mark Winger was applauded by his friends, family, and community for being a hero. From his account, he attempted to save his wife from Roger Harrington. Although he was unsuccessful in doing so, everyone really rallied behind Mark. The local Springfield paper even published a letter written by Mark Winger, thanking everyone for their support through this entire ordeal. But there were a few people who didn't believe it, couldn't believe it. Roger Harrington's family, they claimed they had never seen him be violent towards anyone ever. They knew he had been suffering with mental health issues, but said Roger was getting help. And they just had no reason to believe that Roger could have done this to anyone. And although the case was closed, 
investigators found it strange that Mark Winger continued to check in with police in the months following. Police said he kept coming in, trying to see if detectives were looking into anything else in the case. Hmm, this seemed a bit suspicious. But years passed by, and this case was about to get flipped upside down. Someone's conscience was eating away at them, and the truth about what really happened that day Donna was attacked was about to come to light. New Orleans. Live music, endless drinks, brightly colored attractions, the perfect place for a party. The bachelorette party begins on Friday night. All six women are excited for the chance to escape their everyday lives. In attendance, there's the bride-to-be, the best friend, the cousin, the mother-in-law, the sister, and the groom's friend. But when friendly rivalries turn vicious, and a game of truth or dare turns deadly, by the end of the weekend, one of them is dead. The Bachelorette Party is a locked room thriller that will keep you up all night and has been one of my favorite books of the year. A twisted murder mystery perfect for fans of Gillian Flynn. The author, Carissa Ann Lynch, is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. With a background in psychology, she's always been a little obsessed with the darker areas of the mind and social problems. The Bachelorette Party is a real whodunit and perfect for fans of true crime. You can purchase The Bachelorette Party on Amazon, the HarperCollins website, or anywhere books are sold. Four years had passed since Donna Winger was brutally murdered, and Roger Harrington was shot dead inside the Winger's home. And Mark Winger seemed to have moved on. He had gotten remarried to his daughter's nanny, a woman named Rebecca Simic, who Mark had hired five months after Donna's death. The couple went on to have three more children together, and Mark was still regarded as a hero in the community. But a best friend of Donna Winger's, a woman named Deanne Schultz, was having a really hard time. She was suffering from depression. It became so intense for her, she had to be institutionalized. But doctors, mental health professionals, couldn't seem to find out why she was feeling so bad. It seemed nothing she was doing was helping. She was on a long list of medications, but she was getting worse and worse. Doctors tried everything. Was this grief over her best friend Donna dying years back? It seemed like something more. When Deanne wasn't responding to anything else, she was given electroconvulsive therapy, one of the most extreme methods to treat depression. And during a therapy session one day, Deanne finally opens up about what's really been haunting her, a deep, dark secret that was eating away at her. She made a confession to her therapist, and in turn, this therapist said that she had to tell someone about this. She had to go to the authorities. So she finally went to police and revealed that she had been having an affair with Mark Winger before and after Donna's death. And Deanne said her depression was caused by her suspicions around Donna's murder. Deanne told investigators that Mark wanted out of his marriage and said that rings were purchased and Deanne was under the impression that Mark was going to leave Donna and be with her. But after Donna was brutally murdered, Deanne said she was surprised. Mark didn't marry her, as she had been waiting and hoping for. Instead, shortly after Donna was murdered, Mark ended the affair, losing all interest in Deanne, really. 
and later went on to begin a relationship with the daughter's nanny, and then went on to marry her. Deanne told police about all of this, and even gives evidence. Hotel room receipts, phone records, and it was clear there was indeed an affair. So police begin to speak with Mark about all this. Mark essentially says that Deanne is just jaded and upset and trying to get back at him because he didn't want to marry her and their relationship was over. Mark brushed her off as a jilted lover and just saying all this to get even with him. But this all seemed a little off to investigators. So they took a second look at the case. And it didn't take long to find major inconsistencies with the physical evidence of the case. That day, Mark Winger told police that when he ran upstairs to find Roger beating Donna, he fired two shots at Roger, killing him. But when the Winger's neighbor was questioned, she told police that the day of, she remembered hearing one gunshot, then a long pause, and then about five minutes later, another gunshot. So police take another listen to that 911 call. And if you remember, Mark tells the operator that Roger was lying there with a bullet in his head. Bullet. Singular. Police turned up the volume of that 911 call and noticed the sound of Roger Harrington moaning in the background, clearly still alive while Mark is on the phone with 911. This is when Mark quickly says that his baby is crying and he hangs up the phone. So police wonder, did Mark realize that Roger was still alive and get off the line with police to shoot him another time? Because this would align with the neighbor's account of hearing one gunshot, then five or so minutes later, another gunshot. And I just know, for many of you, one name is flashing in your mind. You already know, Lieutenant Doug Williamson is like, finally... He had been suspicious of Mark Winger since the jump. He's the one who always felt like there was something off about Mark's story. And one thing that really stuck out to him was that when paramedics arrived, they said they got to the crime scene and found Donna Winger face down on the floor. Now, this struck Lieutenant Williamson as strange because Mark Winger had claimed that after she was attacked by Roger, he ran to his wife, trying to save her, saying that he cradled her in his arms. So he questioned if that's true and you were so concerned with your dying wife, why would he put Donna face down? That isn't how you handle a loved one. Also, reviewing the photos taken at the scene, investigators found that the bodies of Roger and Donna were not as Mark described. Police were finally discovering there was a long list of discrepancies, from little to big. For instance, Mark said that when he shot Roger, he flew back, like you see in the movies. But this was physically impossible. They also found that Mark's pistol, when shot, shell casings ejected back and to the right. But investigators found at the crime scene, there was a shell casing in the living room. So this contradicted Mark's account of walking into the hallway, seeing Roger attacking Donna, and immediately shooting Roger twice while standing in that hallway. It also appeared that Roger's body had been moved. There were two pools of blood. So why would he have been moved? Investigators had new questions and theories about the case and reason to believe that Mark may not have been telling the truth about what happened that day. Maybe he wasn't the hero. Police make the decision to reopen the case. All these inconsistencies were stacking up. They realized they needed to dig much deeper into what actually happened between Donna Winger, Mark Winger, and Roger Harrington. 
Investigators also find that Mark had filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the transportation company that employed Roger Harrington, and also found that Donna had a $200,000 life insurance policy. So there was clearly a lot to gain monetary-wise from all this. Also, the blood evidence told a completely different story than Mark. Blood analysts found none of Donna's blood on Roger Harrington's shirt. If he was striking her in close proximity, like Mark said, there would be traces of Donna's blood on his shirt. But the only blood on Roger's shirt was his own. In turn, police found the crime scene and blood evidence indicated that Donna was struck from an entirely different angle than Mark had told police. Police believed that Donna was walking down the hallway towards the dining room, stopped, as she realized her attacker was coming towards her, then turned towards the front door where she was then attacked from behind. And blood analysts found Donna's blood on Mark's right sleeve, which indicated that he was quite close to Donna when she was attacked. Police now theorized, given blood evidence, it was Mark Winger, not Roger Harrington, who had attacked and murdered Donna with the hammer. But police had to put this all together. It was a puzzle and the question remained, what was Roger Harrington doing at the Winger's house that day then? How was he involved in all of this? Besides that shuttle ride home, police eventually found out why he was there that day. And it was because he was invited by Mark Winger. Investigators spoke with Roger Harrington's roommates and they said that Mark Winger had called Roger up at home and invited him to the house to discuss the complaint. Mark telling Roger that hopefully they could resolve things then and there. And Roger wanted to get this settled. He needed his job back and was hoping they could get this figured out. So Mark Winger gave him the address and a time he should arrive, 4.30 p.m. Confirming this, police found a note inside Roger's car with the Winger's address and that time. So when Mark initially told police that he had no idea why Roger was there that day, he was lying. He had invited him over. Given what Deanne Schultz had told investigators, along with proof of their affair, police now had a new theory in this case. They believed that Mark Winger wanted out of his marriage with Donna. And when he heard of his wife's fearful shuttle ride home from the airport, Mark worked up the perfect crime to frame it and pin the entire thing on Roger Harrington. For Mark, this was the setup. This was the cover to commit murder, to get out of his marriage. From there, Mark just had to concoct a plan how to get Roger inside their house so he could frame him. Mark felt that if he planned it this way, police would believe him. And it was just the cherry on top that he was regarded as a hero for years. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. Almost everyone believed Mark Winger. For four years, he got away with it. What he didn't account for was that Deanne, his mistress, would come forward pointing the finger at him. Doesn't he know there's no honor amongst thieves and cheaters? But Deanne's confession gave investigators pause and caused them to reopen the case. And in turn, finally saw how many inconsistencies had been ignored four years prior. Prosecutors believe that day, Roger Harrington was invited to the wingers by Mark in hopes to resolve their issues, or so he thought. Roger agreed and showed up at their house with no weapons, only a coffee cup and a pack of cigarettes. Not exactly the toolkit of a killer. After arriving, they believe Mark brought Roger over to the refrigerator to look at the note Donna had written about that uncomfortable shuttle ride. 
and it was then that Mark pulled out his pistol and shot Roger. This is when that next-door neighbor heard that first shot. Investigators theorize this is when Donna stopped in the hallway, realizing what Mark was going to do. She began to run towards the front door. Mark then attacked his wife, hitting her with the hammer. Then Mark calls 911, telling the operator that Roger was laying there with a bullet in his head. The one time that Mark accidentally told the truth that day. But when Mark heard the moaning, realizing that Roger wasn't dead, he made up that his daughter was crying, got off the phone, and delivered the final blow to Roger, an execution shot. This is when the neighbor heard the second shot. In 2001, Mark Winger was finally charged with the murder of his wife Donna Winger and Roger Harrington. During the trial, Deanne testified that Mark no longer wanted Donna as his wife, giving clear motive. And throughout, Mark always maintained his innocence, but was convicted of both murders and sentenced to life in prison without parole. Roger Harrington's family always knew that Roger did not commit this crime. They always believed that the true killer was Mark Winger, and they finally got their day in court, and Roger's name was cleared. But it doesn't end there. In 2006, from prison, Mark Winger began to set up a couple new murder plots. Mark asked a fellow prison inmate to arrange two murders. One of his intended targets was Deanne Schultz, his mistress that had testified against him. And the second target was a childhood friend of his named Jeffrey Gelman. Mark was reportedly upset with him for refusing to post his $1 million bail. Mark initially wanted Jeffrey to be kidnapped for ransom and then wanted both Jeffrey and Deanne to be murdered. In June 2007, Mark Winger was convicted for solicitation of murder and a 35-year sentence was added to his existing life without parole sentence. Mark's second wife, Rebecca, divorced Mark and never remarried, raising all their children on her own. In so many murder cases, many look at a crime and fall back onto the old, the most obvious scenario is the most likely, case solved. But this story proves that isn't always the case because people like Mark Winger can be so devious, so calculating. So you can't always judge things, situations at face value. You gotta look a bit deeper. Many of the detectives were interviewed. This case appeared on an episode of Forensic Files, and it was so fascinating as they spoke about how all of this unfolded. But one thing one of the investigators pointed out is how reliable the crime scene and blood evidence is, stating it doesn't have a motive one way or another. It just is what it is. Quite amazing that forensics have come so far, as they really helped solve this case. Just like Lieutenant Doug Williamson, he knew from the beginning that there was more to the story. And in the end, justice was served. Donna and Roger's true killer is sitting behind bars. Better late than never. As always, I would love to hear your take on this case. And please let me know what you want to see next on the podcast. I always love getting your suggestions. I want to bring you all the stories you want to hear. I'm looking forward to our next episode. You already know I have so much more coming your way. Until then, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.